Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan What's going on, everybody? Welcome back inside the Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast. We've been rolling along, trucking along. Great content coming out from both Josh Shaw and myself here. Positive feedback. So obviously, first off, thank you to everybody listening and watching on YouTube. It's, it's a lot of fun to do this. It gives us an opportunity to go outside the realms of what we're used to, but also touch on some of our passions. So uh, previous episodes, I mean, we talk on a, a lot of different topics. So if this is your first time listening, hit that subscribe button, write us a review, help out the algorithm so way more people can discover this podcast. It's not just fitness and supplements, albeit that's where our minds kind of work during the day. I mean, we're talking, I mean, we had an episode on the future of sports, for Christ's sakes. You know, I mean, we talked about that. We talked about how does the consistent promotional schedule of brands affect the brand equity. I mean, we, we really try to cover a lot of topics. And today we're talking about a topic that's going to be prevalent, obviously, within sports nutrition, but it's very prevalent outside the walls of what we're used to. Um, at least it's something worth talking about. So, Josh, the question for you is, do you like sex? <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely not asexual. Okay. So All right. I don't I don't know what the percentage I think it's very low that is asexual, but uh you know, that's I actually definitely a thing? respond. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very low percentage though. Um, but I do respond well to sex. I'm also like personal feelings on I don't really get triggered by a lot of things. Um I know that today we're in this society where people are kind of constantly triggered uh or or affected by a lot of different things. Um I'm obviously understanding of of why that's happening and, and being a consultant, I have to really walk that line yeah. a lot of times. But me personally, taking myself out of the business, I'm usually kind of a consumer of anything, really nothing bothers me all that much, uh, especially in an advertising world. I find it intriguing when companies kind of step out uh, of their shadows a little bit and kind of you know, talk about things that maybe are a little bit, um, you know, kind of faux pas or, or mm-hmm. something that's a little bit awkward for people to, to, to see and hear about in advertisements. It's interesting because the topic we're going to talk about today is does sex sell? Basically, is, is sex, sex is it required to sell something? No. But does it obviously help bump the figures? Does it help bump the ratings? Because I'm thinking in my head, Game of Thrones, man. And I don't, I've never watched this show, and I don't know if you have. But I've, I I've, I've told, I've, I'm told it's very softcore pornish, like in terms of some of the stuff in that show. But it's also one of the most popular shows in the world. Obviously, there's violence and there's other – and you probably can talk to it better than I can. Um, within our industry – you look at the the influence that Instagram has had uh, to basically take people from just being pretty faces to making thousands of dollars on every post they post because they just happen to look pretty, have a nice ass, and us as a society like to double tap that and hit that like button. So first off, I mean, it's a very broad topic, but in terms of, let's say, consumer packaged goods, and you're a consultant, you've gone around, have you ever been put in a position, I know you can't discuss the ins and outs, but been put in a position where you recommended maybe that more sex was needed in an advertising campaign or branding campaign to help that brand achieve more? You know, I think primarily in more of the sports nutrition world, um, there's been times when uh, you've had to maybe create something in a more creative way to, because I think we're talking about sports nutrition and a lot of times when we're talking about just products, consumer products or, or whatever, when you're talking about advertising or marketing, you, you tend to think about it and you're trying to solve a problem. You're trying to explain how that product mm-hmm. is going to solve a problem. So a lot of times with sports nutrition, 
the number one reason why somebody maybe is getting in shape or, or wants to, to look better is because they want to look better naked. And that usually equates to because they want to look better, maybe have more sex or, um, you know, look better with their partner or whatever it is, just be more confident. So you tend to then like think about it in that term sometimes. Now it's, I've never been a part of a project where it's been just like overly aggressive in terms of, I can remember back when, when I was first starting out in the industry back about 10 years ago, I can't remember if it was Gaspari or Nutrix, but they had um, a testosterone product where the avatorial in a magazine was just a very attractive fitness model with their legs spread with the, with the product in between her legs. And that to me, um, you know, I've never gotten to that level of, of saying, go that direction. That's obviously in a different Sure. A decade ago, that's a different uh, part of this. But I would say that, you know, in, in different digital advertisements, video content, things like that, you have sexual undertones or you have different uh, ways that you hope the uh, consumer of that content can connect the dots. Uh, I tend to think about it more in that kind of indirect type of a way over just like blatantly shoving it right in somebody's face. Now, making suggestions on maybe influencers or people they should work with because they look a certain way or present themselves in a certain way. Um, definitely have done that, that if it fits the brand, it's definitely something that I suggest, but never really went full on with it. Like maybe some of these other companies and that's maybe just because those companies maybe self-select out of working with me. They just, maybe I don't give off that vibe that I'm, sure. I'd be interested in doing that. So it's interesting because within this space, if you scroll through Instagram, you'll see a new product advertisement with obviously a shirtless Jack dude. That's a form of sex at, at, to some point. The females, we could get, we could talk about the female usage all day long. But even like when you get outside the realm of sports nutrition, there's two brands in, in larger CPG that I want to kind of discuss, and we can bring them up because we don't really work with them. But think of Unilever and what they did with Axe. And this is like a brand, a male brand. But if you remember all the advertising that Unilever did out of Chicago for this campaign, it was 100% sexual. I mean, you sprayed this Axe body spray on and the women flocked to the men. They really, really hit on and they played on those emotions of like, this is going to be an attraction for you to use this. And Unilever is a big fucking company, man. I mean, there's a lot of money behind that. They're publicly traded. So they took a risk by doing a campaign like this. And, it, and that Axe body spray, that Axe brand became the most popular male brand in, in like male hygiene, I think of all time. It's, it was crazy, like the numbers behind it. So the question is, does it work? <laughs> Case in point there, it absolutely did work. Um, I know Unilever has since tried to revert back from that and go away from the sex part, and they started to lose sales, and now they're going back to it again, Josh. So have you seen good examples within larger, not just small three, four, five, ten million dollar sports nutrition companies, but we're talking billion dollar CPG companies where they're incorporating the use of sex at an extreme level to gain success. That's a good question. I mean, I think that a lot of the examples like an axe that we can pull um, are going to be from maybe 10 years ago. And mm -hmm. I think that that's mostly because today um, as a society, we've kind of had a movement in terms of maybe sexual misconduct and harassment and things that sure. are going on that people are brands. Um, anybody doesn't want to be attached to that overly aggressive manner in which you present sex, even though, you know, we are still humans. We still think about men. I think think about sex, uh, two dozen times a day and women are a dozen times a day. So people are constantly thinking about it. You, you have urges to do it, but yet now brands seem to be shying 
away from it. Um, and that is maybe they're being overly cautious, but you don't see it as much. And maybe you can point to an example or two. I'm not sure, but you don't see it all that much right. as you used to maybe even 10 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I see it again with acts coming back. Um, I think anything that deals with appearance or hygiene, I think it's incorporated with sex a little bit more. Because I, then I, to the flip side of that, which, which is more of a soft tone to sex, is what Dove did with their, I wouldn't say, they're not like your typical skinny models, your Victoria's Secret models, right? These, these are women, these are like, I don't know what the word I want to use. Like they're just average women, but they're having them in like their bra and panties and they're proud of their bodies and they're happy about it. That's also another way of doing, using sex to sell. In this case, it's like lotion and soaps. So you can, I think you can do it and people can do it correctly. To your point, where we live in a society now where you have the Me Too movement, you have uh, all this stuff happening with sexual misconduct in terms of like males actually now raising their hands saying that they were sexually abused from female coworkers. So it is a fine line. So it'll be interesting to see how companies do incorporate the use of sex within advertising campaigns and with product placements in the future. Whether it be, it may be, I mean, I'm just trying to think, digitally you might be better off because you could maybe target the certain age range you know you're not going to offend maybe as much. Um, but I don't know. I don't think it's dead. I just think that we need to, people need to reinvent the way they maybe use it because I think it's very effective. Right or wrong, it, it works. And I'll use, I'll use the pornography um, industry as just an example. Like, I, I read something a couple weeks ago that today, like more people in the world watch porn today than they ever have in the past. So obviously, I, the sexual yeah, connection, right? The sexual connection for men to a, a female model is there. And even if you don't want to go to the extreme of porn and you want to use Instagram, you look at a, a female who posts a booty pic. That picture is going to get so many more likes and comments than a female in a power suit maybe explaining the benefits of something or you know, maybe advertising for a local restaurant. Nobody cares about that, it seems like, but they care about that ass picture. So our obsession with sex and sexual uh, um, like objects is at, a, I believe, an all-time high, maybe because the access to this type of content is at an all-time high. Yeah, I mean, I think... To me, in terms of like the pillars of, of social media, you have um, you have food, mm-hmm. um, you have humor, uh, you know maybe cat yeah. videos or something. People right. love those. Uh, and then sex. It seems like that one's the kind of the third pillar in in terms of what I see. And we talked about with like access to it. I mean, you now don't have to, you know, go to a porn store or even the magazine counter to pick up a Playboy or, or something like that. You have that access on your phone. So people are consuming it in private a lot easier. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they might not um, you know, show it uh, even the, you know, at all to right. any of their friends, family members, anything like that. I mean, it's still very much like in your you know, private life type of a situation, but you have access to it constantly. So I think it maybe even desensitizes you a little bit to the sense of like when it is on an Instagram, which to me I think is Instagram. I've always kind of told clients like Instagram is kind of like your personal magazine. Yeah. Like you um, get to curate your own personal magazine. So those are your, usually your best pictures or, you know, you're putting out your best self. So in a way, Instagram is kind of the new age, um, maybe Maxim magazine in terms of like at our childhood, that was right. kind of like, uh, you know, teenager picking up those magazines or, or Playboy. I think Playboy now is like all digital. It's all like Instagram type of a, a feel to it. So mm-hmm. I think everybody's kind of evolving towards that because of the access and just sure. how 
um, readily available and how much people were responding to it. Um, I found it interesting uh, when I was kind of looking up some of these uh, stats around like sex and how well it seems to work uh, with some some different brands. Um, it started in like the 1800s. Sure. Like the, I think it was eight, 1870s. I think they they kind of brought it back to, and it was from a um, a cigarette company um, that used kind of like a, um, a character or like a, a drawing of of a naked woman to sell cigarettes, which mm-hmm. I thought was a, probably an interesting way to, to to kind of start this all off. But it it uh, it kind of obviously has morphed, and, right. and as our mediums of communication, our availability of of media has become much easier. Now it's just it's everywhere. Every brand is using it. I want to kind of ask you a question, Ryan. I mean, like, do you think there's brand like sex i think we both agree that like in general in a vacuum like Mm. sex does sell but are there kind of categories or 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 brands or things that you would say like don't even touch it don't even go towards it yeah i mean like with me when i was at general mills i don't think it was ever you know it's a food item i don't think sex had a place in what we were selling i was selling a natural organic brand so i mean it isn't i'm not going to show you know some amazing bombshell blonde in the middle of a farm picking tomatoes trying to sell my product that's not going to work i mean the, the organic buyer doesn't give a shit about that they care about the we benefits in terms of like what's it doing for me and what's it doing for the earth and the other food categories that General Mills owns was like, you know, Totino's Pizza Roll and Fruit by the Foot. Like, it just didn't have a place or Cinnamon Crunch. Uh, so I think the food industry in general, not, I'm not talking functional foods. I'm talking your generic conventional foods that you'd buy in the middle of the, the, the conventional grocery store. Now, functional foods may have a use for it. You know, with some of this stuff, if it's protein first or kombucha or kombucha or however the hell you pronounce that word because I don't drink it. Um, you know, there may be a place there. So I think that, but then you look at like the broader scheme of things. You have clothing, hygiene, anything that deals with appearance or status, even cars, you know, like uh, Ferrari is going to be using sex to sell that thing. So it's, it's actually more difficult to find categories in which you don't want to use sex than it is to find categories in which you can inject sex in the cell. But for me, like I think food is the biggest one. Um, I think hospitality to some extent, like I don't, I can't foresee a Marriott or a Hilton doing a commercial with models. And I mean, unless you have like a romantic getaway type of, uh, you know, one of their, one of their chains is more so for like, come to hook up on the Paradise Island. I don't see it being used there as much either. I mean, you didn't have sandals yeah, was, though. So uh, yeah, I was thinking something like, you know, like a secrets or one of those like, yeah. um, all inclusive type resorts where they do sell that because it's more of like a getaway for the, for the, uh, husband and wife mm-hmm. to get away from the kids or a romantic getaway or whatever. But, um, one that I found exam- and you didn't, uh, you kind of were getting towards this, but, um, there was an argument that I kind of saw, uh, it was actually a pretty heated argument in the, in an industry that neither one of us deal in, uh, around like mattress sales or, or bed type of product. Interesting, yeah. Um, and there was this you know, big argument, I guess, in that industry about should you be using sex or not? Because though obviously it's a place where a lot of it happens, um, People were kind of saying, you know, you're sol- you're trying to solve a sleep problem. You're trying to solve a comfortable, relaxing sleep. That doesn't. That's what you're using the bed for primarily, and you mm-hmm. shouldn't interject sex into it. Like that shouldn't be an area where you do it. Um, so, I thought that was probably interesting because I think a lot of people, if you hear maybe bedding or, or whatever, you might necessarily go to that right. area. Like, oh, I could use this in a very seductive way. But uh, it seemed like the uh, the mattress industry was against that. They they didn't want that to, that to happen. And they were worried that all these new brands like Casper and, and things like that that were kind of millennial-driven were going to bring that to the industry. Yeah, and I mean, you're, to your point, you, I don't think I've ever seen it 
And, uh, you know, you think, I'm thinking about how terrible waterbeds were for sex. I mean, they were awful for sex. No, I don't understand why they bought one. That was an opportunity there for a brand to come in and inject sex into the mattress sales and say, listen, you can actually do it on ours. You're not going to float on water and sink in and have a terrible time with it. Um, yeah, dude. I mean, that's, that's a great example because that is literally like the most in- intimate place in your house is the bedroom, which you're laying on the bed. Typically, for majority of people, granted, you can do it in multiple different houses or rooms and furniture, and I'm all about that. Trust me, I am. But, I mean, the bed is going to be the most traditional place to do it. And the fact that sex is not, to my knowledge, ever, I've never seen it used in mattress sales either. Um, let's, let's bring it back to sports nutrition. If you, do you think sex is required for a sports nutrition brand to be successful? Not, not, maybe not successful, but should sex be injected into the advertising branding message of a brand within sports nutrition since it's sort of an appearance-driven type of industry, even though it should be health? You know, I think it's kind of bringing back to some of my original comments. I think you can interject it and put, kind of put it in, in a way that's um, just non-intrusive, kind of bringing people to understand it or connect the dots if they want to. Um, I think now with sports nutrition not being the siloed categorical type of thing that we thought about maybe 10 years ago, um, there's a lot of new consumers in the market, a lot of more mainstream or lifestyle consumers that um, aren't really going to be excited about the old ways of doing business and in the overly sexual way of, of shirtless men and, and women and, and, and trying to, you know, connect those dots a lot easier. Right. Um, it seems like brands um, are doing a good job at are making sure that people understand if they are um, interested in that. Um, there are ways to kind of just indirectly uh, put that out there. But for the most part, I think brands today, I mean, you, you touched on a little bit with the targeting aspect of it. Now, you don't necessarily have to try to appeal to what you think the most amount of people are going to be interested in. You can just go after your targeted uh, people, your tribe, or whatever people will call it at this point. Um, you know, you just target towards that. So if your brand is all about the functionality of the products and it's all about maybe the story of the purity of the product or whatever, you could go after those people. You don't have to talk about anything that has a connection towards sex, even though people might be using it to look better and you know, that might be a connection to them, but they're not, you don't necessarily have to, to do that anymore, but you still see it a lot. I mean, obviously with a lot of the more traditional aligned sports nutrition, categorical and sports nutrition products, you still see a ton of it, especially on their Instagram. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where you see the most of it. It's always even user generated content is always, you know, ripped dudes, good looking girls, um, in the gym, whatever. It's like, you're, you're putting that out there and saying like, yeah, you can look better by taking this product. You know, I was looking up to before we, I was telling you before we had this, we started this podcast, I told you I kind of Googled this, like the top 50 Instagram models of 2019 to follow. And obviously Kendall Jenner is number one with almost a hundred million followers at the point of time when this, this was written back in December. So she's probably over a hundred million by now. She, we can agree. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, she also has the Kardashian name and she's on TV. So that attributes to it. But one of them on here that I thought was really interesting um, is I, I believe it was like number seven on this. Her name is Summer Ray, and she has almost 20 million followers. She's 22 years of age. Her Instagram photo is of her at the pool in this point, And like it's a clear picture of her ass. I mean, she's nothing wrong with it. Listen, I'm appreciate a good looking gal at 22 years of age. Josh, she makes more than twenty six thousand dollars per post on her Instagram. Per post. So she makes two posts a day. She's making $52,000 a day by basically being a model, by being 
beautiful and by being gorgeous. And that is, I guess, a definition of like using your sexual influence to make money. You know, she's, I mean, it's not her fault she's gorgeous. She got great genetics and she's using it to her advantage. So do we ever live in a world where it's not used ever? It's impossible, right? Yeah, I think it's impossible. I mean, I think that it's just human nature. I mean, I think people are going to be attracted to to that. Um, now, how it connects, I mean, we're talking about personal brands here. I mean, it's interesting to think because we talked about this before we turned the record button on here about just the idea that, you know, if we had a, you know, a, a nice ass or we were good looking, we would be uh, much more popular on social media. And I think that that's a joke that a lot of people use, but it's also commonplace in society. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing a lot of people realize that they can make a lot of money on social media by um, being sexual or just putting uh, their good looks out there. And it's creating a, a whole economy around this. And brands are looking to tap into that because there's a level of influence that comes with that because when you amass followers, for whatever reason, those followers um, could be utilized in a way to market a product. Now, what I find interesting or I found interesting over the last uh, couple of years of this emerging uh, trend is that you have these models, both men and female, that have millions of, of followers that are very sexually oriented. So it's usually the opposite sex um, that is following these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what you see is that brands that are approaching, say, we're talking about a woman here, it's a lot of like women's products that are approaching this woman or the, or maybe the model is accepting uh, marketing deals from products that they want for free or they want or whatever. But it's seems counterintuitive because the majority of the people that are following them are, are men. Mm-hmm. So if you have a bunch of men following a female, it would be better if maybe it was like an online gambling site yeah. or, you know, something like that, that's going to trigger a men's, uh, response uh, towards maybe one of their vices and pick it up. But you don't, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like that is seen as much out there. And it, and it should be because I don't know if people are looking at it. And I don't know if it's coming from the model, like because she's like, well, what am I going to get out of this other than cash? Maybe she wants some other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wants to be a, you know, an ambassador. She wants to be in, uh, you know, fly around the world or whatever it is. Uh, but brands also are, are approaching the, in the wrong way, I see. And, um, I just kind of find that interesting because I think that it's, these, these followings in our industry, a lot of times they get joked about sports nutrition, like, well, how are we going to sell, you know, they they don't really have any influence because they're not really going to be able to sell our products or whatever. People are just looking at their, um, you know, tits and ass or or whatever, or if it's a guy, they're just looking at their bicep, but they are usable. Like those followings that influence is usable but it needs to be applied to the right brand in the right product in the right way mm-hmm. to do it everybody's following is is extremely useful um but it's a matter of can you connect the dots and align them the right way and for some reason it, it seems to me that it's not really happening that's interesting too that you brought it up i mean even in this industry you hear brands all the time looking for like the next best influencer to help promote their brand to whatever sex they're trying to reach so in the case of we'll use a woman in this case if there's a good looking gal who you can sign to a deal um and she's predominantly been posting sexual forward photos so booty pics risque pics i mean is that 
I understand brands want to be associated with people with a hundred thousands of followers and millions of followers, but at some point, like does followers always equate to conversions? And in the case of sports nutrition, say brand A decides to get this Instagram model who has 20 million followers and it's all based on like risk a photos. Does that translate to any, if she posts a photo of her with a fat burner, like, is that going to translate to any sales? And I mean, like, uh, not, I mean, some people buy it, but I'm saying, will it translate to, I guess, the amount of sales in which would be required to make the ROI at least break even on whatever it's going to cost you to, to do it with that person? And I would almost say probably not. Like, I would look more for an influencer that actually can speak to the product, that actually can talk to the product, talk what the product's supposed to do, actually maybe even use the damn product versus just like, here's me in my bathing suit. This is a fat burner. I mean, unless she says I use it, but then she's not going to be able to answer questions. So... For me, if I'm a brand owner, like I'm staying as far away from those type of fitness influencers as possible for my product and looking for somebody who actually would use and know and can speak to my product to their actual followers to help increase conversions. Yeah, I think if you because we're kind of going down this line of, you know, there's there's a one hitter like the the sponsored type of posts where you're just kind of buying mm -hmm. like an initial kind of reaction to it or you're trying to have a more of a longer term deal, which those people generally I would point them towards people that are very well are you know, can articulate themselves very well, um, work really well with the brand, they're aligned very well. You're really trying to make sure that they are a an extension of your brand. So that's right. usually a much deeper um, you know, understanding of that influencer that you're working with. But when you're talking about just like one post, um, generally that needs to be something that's going to be very like high call of action. You need to make sure that you're getting that, um, you know, return on investment because these influencers also usually, like there's a, clause in the contract where eventually it goes away. So it's not like you're getting a ton of indirect. And on Instagram, usually people aren't searching. It's mm -hmm. not a searchable um, site. So you're not getting a lot of like um, you know, long-term benefits from it. It's not like an right. Instagram or a, um, a YouTube video or maybe even a Facebook post or, or something like that. So you need to kind of put all those things into, into play. I was thinking about um, a couple of brands that um, have interjected in sports nutrition or you know, kind of fringes that one. Uh, Bang Energy. Yeah, I was going to think of, too. You know, big ones. I mean, we, we've kind of talked about them on a few of podcasts here or there, but, you know, they use um, that very strongly. And that's in energy drinks has always been a part of it. Monster and uh, Rockstar have constantly kind of brought that to the table. Um, Bang is just kind of taking it to another level. But another one that used Instagram models in a way that was kind of unique, at least that I saw, was First Form. And I don't know if you yeah. follow them at all, but they had, and I don't know if they still have these girls under contract, but they had a, a lot of like very um, high uh, follower Instagram girls that were a part of their brand. But what I found most interesting about their approach was they kind of coached these girls to be more authentic and sure. be uh, more... Uh, like transparent. So they would have them really post pictures when they were super sweaty with no makeup in the gym or um, really kind of being real. And I think that that maybe is an extension of Andy Frisella because of his social influence and mm -hmm. his understanding of like just what it actually is and what it creates in terms of value right. and him being able to kind of impart some of that, like kind of that understanding to these girls. It helped that connect the dots to first form in a more, uh, usable way than it was if he was just got kind of like, hey, girls, do whatever you want, put the images in there and just kind of talk about what, like, that's what most brands do, unfortunately, is they they just kind of reach out to somebody and then they go, hey, you know, 
do whatever you need to do. And, and that works sometimes. Like if you're working with a very creative YouTuber, mm-hmm. a lot of times you just want them to just create, create yep. how they do it. Because that's a, that's a different level of, of, of a creator than maybe somebody that's maybe an Instagram person or whatever. Like, and I don't want to take any away from them, but it's a little bit less of a kind of a process that you go through if you're creating like vlogs or, or whatever. So you usually have to at least give them a framework to work within or give them some tips to make it useful to them. And I found that that first form that they did a really good job at that. I haven't followed on. I don't follow them all that much to the point where I know like all their you know, Instagram models or not, but I know uh, about a year ago and and maybe because they were working also with maybe Gary Vaynerchuk or they kind of had a way of, of approaching it that was super unique that I thought was interesting. And it's applies to the category that we talk a lot about. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big topic and it's a broad topic and it's an interesting topic because I think there are probably people listening to this podcast, like going through their heads, like trying to think of brands that have never used the injection of sex to sell anything. And within our space, I think it's almost a, it's almost a given. You're going to find it with every brand, even a brand like a conservative brand who doesn't necessarily use Instagram models as much still indirectly has sex because they have really good looking athletes. So, I mean, that's not, that's not saying like they're trying to like use sex to sell, but they they have really good looking fit athletes. It's kind of the nature of the beast within the space. I can't think of a single brand out there that's, you know, there's no brand that uses unattractive people within sports nutrition. I, I mean, there's, I've never seen one brand unless they're using like caricatures. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I haven't. You seen know one. what? I and this is bringing up a totally different point, and and I'm probably going to give away a uh, a free tip here. So if brands are listening, what I would say is that. Um, and I've, and I've brought this to people and they kind of always just balk at it, is that using real models, like, like not, you know, models in the sense of like good looking, but like real people mm-hmm. in their imperfections, in the way that people can relate to those. You're seeing this a lot with like Victoria's Secrets. You, um, Victoria's Secrets is kind of their sales are not doing all that well and right. they haven't been doing all that well. And that's because they're overly using these like uh, women that just uh, can't be achieved by the normal women. And then you have uh, brands like I think uh, American Eagles, Aerie, and, and things like that that are gaining a lot of market share uh, because they're using models that just look like the girl next door. They mm-hmm. don't, you know, they're like your girlfriends, your moms, your sisters, your whatever. And like that appeals to people because they go, oh, this is what I'm going to look like. This is exactly how I'm going to appeal to this. And there's a connection to this. I think that there's an aspiration level that people want to get to and look to something, but there's also uh, a point where you realize, maybe I'll never get to that point and it turns you off. Sure. So brands, listen to this, maybe a free tip, like think about that. And if it applies to your brand in a way that works to your story and everything like that, like try go all in on it because I guarantee that if you implement it and execute it on it correctly, it's going to work immensely today. Cause I think people are wanting that they yeah. are looking for that. And there's a lot of people that are kind of waiting in the weeds to be like, when is a brand going to come out with that? Right. It's interesting. Cause my marketing brand had right now thinking like, I don't think I would do that in sports nutrition. And I wouldn't do it only because it's a health forward industry where you take a supplement to help you achieve that ideal physique that you're trying to achieve. Within underwear, I don't think people are buying underwear to achieve the Victoria's Secret look. They want to look sexy. I, don't, I think it's a little bit different. It could work. I'm just trying to think of if I'm using a dad bod in my advertising campaign, is anybody out there going to look at that and say, I want that supplement so I can have that body? Ah. I, you know, I think, you know, it's interesting. You know, it could apply it that way. But I think with this whole movement of like, you know, what is healthy and, mm-hmm. and kind of body positive and, and everybody kind of thinking about uh, wellness and health in a different way. Right. I think that you could pull it off. I think that 
Uh, it needs to be done in the right way. Um, I definitely think that it could backfire for, for a lot of ways, but right. I think that it's an interesting concept to think about, and it's not one that you see, definitely you don't see in sports nutrition. Um, I would say it's probably going to be from a brand that is probably more um, intertwined with health and wellness and it, a more you know, 2019, 2020 type yeah. of uh, – uh, you know, sports nutrition brand, not a, you know, 1995. Right. Brand. And I was going to get back to that too. If you're more of a hardcore brand, I wouldn't do it. But if you're more of a, a new age brand, you could do it because you think of like um, protein powders can be used by anybody. Greens powders, digestive enzymes, things like that product categorical can be used with your normal everyday person easily. Even a pre-workout. I mean, a normal person can get up at five o'clock in the morning workout and your advertising campaign could be using a normal blue collar worker who's waking up at 5 a.m. that happens to want to get their workout in before their day starts. I think that's that's definitely doable. And, but if you're selling a testosterone booster or a fat loss pill or whatever, then you're probably going to want to use the sex and inject the sex and inject the, the attractiveness. But I think now that I'm thinking about it, like a lot of the products that I use every single day, protein, pre-workout, digestive enzymes, probiotics, why not? Like you literally could have just like my mom, you know, could benefit from all these things. Maybe not the pre-workout because she's not waking up to go work out. But I'm saying like if that's important to you, and even though you don't have – the bodies that, you know, like most people have within that are in advertising campaigns doesn't mean you can't benefit from the use of something. So yeah, I think you do have a really good point now that I'm thinking about that a little bit more. It'd be interesting to see a brand to take that leap of faith and do it and see if they yeah. can do it right. And I think you can do it really well if you just selectively pick what category you're going to be doing it in, whether it be greens or even a pre – like I think you can do it – C4 could do it with a pre-workout. You know, Sally yeah. Core could really do it with a pre-workout because everybody shops Costco and that's where you can buy it. So – Free tip from Josh Shaw. If you guys do it and you make sales, it'll be a 15% commission kickback to Jay Shaw Consulting. We'll get you the PayPal uh, after the show. But if you don't pay him, then you're going to get a season desist letter from Josh Shaw, and it's going to be very, very interesting. So uh, we'd love to hear from all of you, too, on this topic of sex. Like, is it needed? Is it required? Do you appreciate the injection of sex in advertising campaigns? Because believe it or not, whether most of us say that we're not attracted to them or we try to avoid advertising campaigns, we probably have all purchased something before based on the looks of somebody. It's probably just happened. I know back in college, I bought Gucci dog tags because I thought the dude wearing them looked cool. That's how pathetic <laughs> I was. I'm not kidding. It's a real story. So uh, anybody can do it. I mean, I, I told you, I think I told you this, Josh. The first supplement I bought was based on a magazine ad that had Mike the Situation in it from Jersey Shore. Yeah. I bought it on that, man. Everybody falls for it. So <laughs> you're like the per you're the perfect uh, consumer for marketers. They yeah. they love you. They're like, yeah, yeah we'll I mean, get now in. I now I'm a little bit more wise to what's going on. But back then, boy, I just wanted to achieve that six I wanted that Italian tan, that six pack, baby. That's what I wanted. Uh, GTL <laughs> all day. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on all of our social media channels. We're on we're over on Facebook, two guys, one shaker cup. Make sure you check us out. We're on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, am I missing anything, Josh? I think I covered it all right. Yeah, I think that's it. All right. Well, until next week, Joshua, it's great to see you. Yeah, good to see you again, Ryan. All right, peace out, bud. Subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.